Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the afternoon service of Saturday the 22nd of February 2014, entitled Victory Over Strongholds, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, look at verse number 3. We've been talking this morning about uh, setting the battle Uh, getting ourselves prepared uh, for intense uh, difficulties and and, and getting ourselves not only prepared but having the right plan, having a game plan. you got to do that if you're a part of a team. you got to have a plan and you got to carry out that plan. And in order to do that, it's called preparation. you got to have yourself prepared. And not only that, but we talked about uh, facing your giants. And uh, every giant I talked about this morning uh, is really a fruit of a bigger problem. And that, that fruit comes off of a tree or a vine. And that vine, I believe, uh, can be summed up with two words. And it's called strongholds. And this is not a fun topic to talk about because this is where we live. Uh, but I hope and pray that when we get done, you'll be more encouraged. And you'll know how to, uh, to attack because you've been prepared. And you'll realize that the giant that you're facing can be uh, conquered. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to cower down. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to live in defeat. You can be victorious because it says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen? And so uh, we can be charged up and, and encouraged today uh, because we can have uh, a real power and victory over these things called strongholds. I want you to look at verse number 3. It says, though we, also, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, there's a very, very, very important um, important thing here. Listen, we walk into flesh, but we don't have to war after the flesh. All right? We're go- Listen, there's nobody in this room that's going to be perfect or complete or ultimately sanctified until you get to heaven. You're going to go through trials and you're going to go through difficulties, but you know what? It'd be a great thing if we knew how to get through them with the sweet spirit. Amen? And I want to try to give you some encouragement to how to get through that. I want you to look at verse number four. Verse number four says, the weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement. You know, fear, doubt, worry, uh, self-sufficiency, all these things that we talked about this morning, which are our giants, our internal giants, are really a, a symptom of a bigger problem. That bigger problem is, uh, that we, got two real, real big enemies. Number one, our flesh. We, have, we still live in this flesh and we have to fight and war against it. Do you understand that you've been equipped? You've been equipped from birth with one of the greatest weapons that you could ever use and an arsenal of, 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 of literally a barrage, if you will, of ammunition that you can use against your flesh and not only that, but against your enemy called the devil. See, every single one of you in this room, if you've named the name of Christ, you are not on the enemy's team anymore. You're on God's team. And when you get on the other team, you face an open assault from the enemy, the devil, and your flesh. You know, it's bad enough that we have an outside agent in it, Frazier, that would deceive us and that would uh, try to mock us and make us feel defeated. You know, it's bad enough that the devil does that on the outside. But you know what? We have a greater enemy, and that's on the inside. Do you know the Bible says you can deceive yourself? Some of you in here are going to be deceived and say, you know what, I'm okay compared to so-and-so. I'm okay compared to this person. Well, I'm glad I brought that up because I want you to look over just a couple verses in verse number 13. 
excuse me, verse number 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You cannot sit here tonight and compare yourself to somebody else and say, I'm okay. You might do that and you might be okay compared to them. But the scripture says, if you compare yourself to somebody else, you are unwise. You don't compare yourself to anybody else in this room. What you've got to do is you've got to line up with Jesus Christ. And last time I checked, he was a sinless, spotless lamb of God. And we were wicked, vile, wretched sinners. Amen? Now, by the way, don't live in the defeat of saying that you're just an old wretched, wicked sinner. You know what? A lot of people say, well, that's humility. No, sometimes it's poor posture. Okay? Don't, don't live like that. Understand what the Bible says you are. The Bible says you are a saint. Every single letter that Paul wrote to the churches in the New Testament, he started with these words. Paul, the apostle and servant of Jesus Christ to the saints of a local church. You are, listen, you are more than a conqueror. You're a saint and live like it. Start living like a saint. You say, preacher, I'm having problems with some of these things in my life. And you know what? Fear and doubt and worry are really just symptoms and fruits of a bigger problem. And the root problem is, if we're not careful, these things that we call worry, doubt, fear, self-sufficiency will literally blossom from a thing called a stronghold. You're in this room tonight and you say, you know what, preacher, I've got some issues in my life. You know what? If you're ever going to tackle the issue, first of all, you've got to realize where it started. You can't take care of something until you find out what happened and where it started from. You've got to find out the source of it. See, some of you in here, you know what, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna just kind of brush it on the rug, try to ignore it, but until you admit it and take care of it, it ain't going to be rectified. You've got to take care of it. So first of all, I want you to see number one. I want you to see this. And look at verse number five. I don't need to leave that verse out. Verse four says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God are the pulling down of strongholds. Then he goes on and says this, Casting down, look at it, Casting down imaginations in every high thing, verse five, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought to the obedience of Christ. You know what we had, and I, I, I want to make sure that all of you that's never heard me before, I'm going to make some statements that some of you have heard me say before. But you know what? You learn mathematics by repetition. Why don't we learn, learn spiritual things by repetition? We don't have a problem singing the same songs over and over again. But boy, if the preacher says something and repeats himself, well, he ain't studied, you know? No, I'm trying to, you know what? The Bible teaches us that repetition, guys, look at me, every one of you, repetition ought to be like glue. It ought to make things stick. I'm going to tell you something that I've said many times. You've got one of the greatest weapons at your disposal to use against the enemy and your flesh. You know what it is? It's your mind. It's the thing between your ears. And some of you, the reason why you're defeated and you walk around discouraged and you walk around doubting and fearing and worrying is because you've not used your mind correctly. Change the way you think. When I was in the Marine Corps, we had a poster that was plastered on the wall. And it said, on that poster, it said, the warrior's greatest weapon is his mind. You know what? We don't think properly sometimes. we got to change the way we think. See, some of all, all you can do is look at what you don't have. 
You know what we got to stop doing? We got to stop looking at what we don't have and think about the multiple things that God has given us. Stop, com listen, stop complaining about what you ain't and start praising God for what you are. Well, I can't sing like sister so-and-so. I, I can't preach like brother so-and-so. You know what? Why don't you just be who God made you to be? Young people, let me tell you something. The only way you're ever going to... It says casting down. You know what that means? It means literally to pull down. Cast it down. Throw it away. Pull it down and put it in the trash. Cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. Let me say it again. Every thought. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? You know what Jesus said? He said, for those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. Listen, there's a definite connection between what you think and what you say. What is inside will eventually come out if pressed upon enough. And I'll tell you right now, the only way that you're ever going to overcome strongholds and be a victor and not a victim is if you will daily, vigilantly do this. If you got to, listen, if you don't get anything, write this down. I want to show you how strongholds are developed. How they're developed. How are strongholds developed in your life? You say, well, preacher, what is a stronghold? Well, you know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is what I call a fleshly fortress. Or a carnal castle, if you will, that is erected, constructed in your mind by your permission from the devil himself. You give the enemy, listen, full permission when that stronghold is put in your mind. You say, preacher, you know what? I've been struggling with something that nobody else knows about for a long, long time. And you know what? It's made me question whether or not I'm really born again. Whether I'm really a Christian. I've struggled with some of them. Anybody in here ever struggled with doubting whether they were saved or not? I went through four years of it. I went through four years of that when I was saved. I got saved in 1987. It wasn't, uh, Dave, until 1991 that I got victory over that thing. You want to know why? It's because I was never taught how to think right. See, guys, I want to tell you this again. Salvation ain't about what you do. It ain't about what you know. It ain't about how you feel. Salvation's about a person and who you are in Christ. Christ finished it all on Calvary. Christianity ain't about doing, it's about a done religion. Christianity's done. Jesus said, it is finished. And we ought to live in the finished work of Calvary, amen? I love that young lady right there. You got the greatest smile I've ever seen in my life. Tim, you are blessed beyond measure, friend. She just, she, I mean, she, all you, she got, she melt, she'll make you melt just smiling at you, you know? Feel like I'm standing before Jesus or something, you know? She just got the glory of God all over. Now she's really red. <laughs> but you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna fight these things, number one, you have to know how they're developed. How are strongholds developed in our life? Well, I want you to look at verse five. Maybe you've allowed this fleshly fortress. Maybe, you, maybe you've allowed this carnal castle to be constructed in your mind. The, listen, verse 5, Paul tells the church, and by the way, this church was a carnal church. Everything they did was in the flesh. They even took the Lord's Supper fleshly. Some of them were getting so full, they were gluttons. They were, getting so, they were drinking so much wine, they began to get drunk in the church from taking the Lord's Supper. And Paul had to admonish them, that's carnal. You know the problem we got? 
We've got too many Christians these days on pablum still. You know what that is? It's baby's food. It's what we give babies. You know, we used to give babies a long time ago when they were not feeling well, so they would make them feel a little better. We've got too many Christians that's sitting around sucking on a bottle and trying to get their diaper changed. It's time for us, and I'll say this till the cows come home. That's a colloquialism for where I live, okay? That means it's time for us to get some things right. I will say it until the cows come home. We need to grow up. How do you, listen, how do you fight these things if you don't know how they're developed? Well, you know what? The Bible says that we ought not be ignorant of the devil's devices. We ought to know full well of his technological methods and how he does things when it comes to our life. By the way, Cain, he's been doing this a long time. The enemy's been doing this for about 7,000 years. So I think he knows what he's doing. And he knows the very area, don't he, Frazier, where he can try to torment us and and by the way, let me go ahead and announce to you today and let you know without reservation or hesitation that each and every one of you in here that's saved by the grace of God will never, ever, ever be possessed by a demon. We've got some teaching going on in today's society that, you know what, if you've got a problem with alcohol or you've got a problem with prescription medication, that demon needs to be cast out of you. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit moved in, and when He moves in, the devil has to move out. And I'm sorry I'm excited about it, but listen, in 1987, the Holy Spirit, the G Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Father took a vote, and it was a unanimous ballot. It got, listen, it was cast in heaven, and that day in, in February 1987, Brian Beaver got saved by the grace of God. And I stand before you today redeemed. But I still struggle. See, we ought to be encouraged today, shouldn't we? We are, we are among people that live in the same world we live in. Every single one of you live in the same world. You, you wear the same flesh, and you've got to daily battle it. And if you're not careful, and if you don't listen, if you don't daily get some time to where you overcome these things and be an overcomer. See, we got too many people that are going and laying on a couch and letting somebody tell them, this is what you need to do. This is, you know what? It's time for us to get off a couch and run to the cross. Some of us in this room, and I'm not, I'm not saying that medication don't work and some psychological help don't work, but I'm telling you right now, uh, most of our... Pro See, when I was in the fifth grade, I spent more time in the hallway than I did in the classroom. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't run around going, well, you know what? My family's a mess and I've got some problems and I'm ADHD and DDD and 45 other DDs and this DD and that DD. And you know what? No, my daddy said, your problem's sin, son. Bend over. My problem was sin. See, the problem is we got to stop blame shifting. We got to stop blaming society. We got to stop blaming everybody else. We got to stop comparing ourselves and we got to take full responsibility for the actions and the way we conduct ourselves. You are welcome. I know it ain't popular, but it's the truth. How are strongholds developed? Well, number one, he said casting down what? What's the next word? Well, I don't know what you, what's your Bible say. Casting down what? What do you cast down? Verse 5. Imaginations. It literally means... It, huh? Arguments. Casting down arguments. You know what? Uh, here's, the, here's the first thing that you've got to do. The first thing you've got to do is realize the way they are developed is, number one, with what I call erroneous ideas. This word 
This word imaginations, mean it means maxims, uh, philosophies, and here's the problem. Today we've got too many philosophers and not enough preachers that are standing up and saying, the people of God need to repent. It's not the preacher nor the deacons, it's me, O oh Lord, that stands in need of prayer. And it's time for God's people to understand that if strongholds are in their life, number one, how are they developed? Number one, they're developed by erroneous ideas. I want to tell you the biggest one that I've, I have seen and I've had to battle among God's people, and that is this. Not understanding who you are in Jesus Christ and the fact of the matter is that we need to understand that we can have confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. Some of you in this room, you know what? You're never going to serve God. You're never going to serve God the way you could in full potential until you understand that you don't hope you go to heaven. You have to understand that you know you're going to go to heaven. You say, preacher, how can I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to show you something. First John chapter number 2. First John chapter number 2, look at it. In First John chapter number 2, these erroneous ideas... I don't know where some of them come from, but I know, um, I know the common denominator is they come from man's philosophy and not God's. I'm going to show you one of them. Look at verse number 1, chapter number 2, 1 John. He says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have, listen, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation. He's the substitute for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Can I tell you and submit to you today that Jesus Christ died for all? That means God wants everybody to be saved. Now, I know everybody's not going to be saved, but God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's an erroneous idea to believe that God sent His precious Son into the world only to die for a few, and the rest of us ain't got a chance. Now, I'm not sitting here preaching heresy. I'm preaching the Bible, and I'm telling you right now, if you look at this, it says that he died, and he was the propitiation, the substitute pastor for our sins. Who was John talking to, Frazier? He was talking to God's people, believers. You're uh, excused. God bless you. Amen. That was a good one there, Alex. Woo! Man, he about got Pentecostal on that sneeze. Praise God. Hey, look, it says, and he is the propitiation, the substitute for our sins. And then John went on to say, and not for ours only. Did you hear that? Okay, if he's talking to God's people and believers, and he said, he's the propitiation, the substitute for our sin, he said, then, then not for ours only, but for the sins of who? The whole world. If one drop of Jesus Christ's red royal blood was not sufficient to forgive the sins of all mankind, then we of, of all men are most miserable. Do you understand me? Jesus Christ is the only way. He's not a way. He's not a truth. He's not a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's some erroneous ideas that go around. You want to know how strongholds developed? Erroneous ideas. These philosophies that we want to come up with in our minds. Turn over a couple chapters to chapter number 5. Look at verse number 8, or excuse me, verse number 9. The scripture says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You know what? I have no, 
I have no reason not to believe if Panos told me he was going to do something for me that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any reason not to believe it because you know what? He's proved himself to have character and I can trust him at his word. But you know what, Panos? Even if you were to fail, even if I was to fail you, if we can receive the witness of men, the Bible says the witness of God is greater. You can take God at his word. Look on. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, that's the Holy Spirit of God, and he believeth not, he that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave, unto, gave us his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Okay, now look at me. Let's say today that I'm going to let the Bible represent Jesus Christ, and I'm going to let my handkerchief represent eternal life. The Scripture says this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His what? Son. The Scripture goes on to say, He that hath the Son hath life. But he that hath not the Son hath not life. Look at the next verse. Look at verse number 11. Or where are we at? Yeah, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe, lean upon, trust in, that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. You know what, today I can stand before you and I can tell you I know, I know that I have trusted Jesus Christ. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And then, listen, if you're in this room and you're doubting that, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ is not on trial. Okay? I want you to understand that, the, listen, strongholds are developed by, number one, erroneous ideas. Erroneous ideas. I'll give you a perfect example. Most of the time when you talk to young people and you mention the word S-E-X, you either get one or two reactions. You either get, <gasps> or, <laughs> like it's funny. You know what? I'm here to tell you, you want to know how strongholds are developed in your life? Some of you, you know what? you got issues, and you know you do because you've got an erroneous idea of what S-E-X, sex is. Can I tell you right now, and I'm not preaching heresy, and I can preach to a crowd like this because I think we're pretty much adults, and we, you know, we're, we're at a level where we can understand this, right? Can you shake your head like this or like this? Am I telling the truth? This is yes, this is no. All right, good. I want every one of you to look at me. God, listen, do you think that that was created somewhere in a, in a science laboratory? No. God created it. And God said, you will enjoy it, Adam and Eve. But here's the problem. He said, you know what? I, I created it for one man, one woman, in the confines of marriage. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, he said, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Man, it's getting quiet in here now, isn't it? You don't know why? It's because we've got erroneous ideas about what S-E-X is. That's just one of them. I've had people say, you know what? I've got a right to be bitter. That's an erroneous idea, Tim, because you can take a Bible and anybody in here can show me where you got a right to be bitter at somebody, I'll write you a check for a thousand pounds. You cannot show me in the Bible, you know what, that is an erroneous teaching, a false teaching, because, listen, because the Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
You might be in this room and you say, I can't forgive somebody, but you'll never be able to say, I won't forgive them. I'm here to tell you, listen to me, young people. Strongholds are developed by erroneous ideas, but number two, look at the last part of the verse. Verse number five says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Number one, they're, listen, they're developed by erroneous ideas, but number two, by egotistical independence. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you're in this room, you say, you know what, boy, I, I, I tell you what, I'm God's gift to women. <laughs> There's some guys that think they are. You know that? There's some guys that think, man, I'm God's gift to women, you know? You need to wake up, Bo. <laughs> Sorry. It's time to get some of this egotistical independence. Boy, I can do all this on my own. I don't need the Lord. You know, we don't say that out loud, but we mean it sometimes in our heart, don't we? We got some strongholds. Well, you know what? Here's the problem. We know how they're developed now, but you know what? How can they be detected? How do you know that you've got a stronghold? Well, usually it's what you do habitually. Now, I know this, folks. Listen, if you, and here's an erroneous teaching. You know what? If you can do whatever you want, you can go and get, you can get right on Sunday and go out Monday and do whatever you want. Just all you got to do is repent. You know what that is? That's called greasy grace. Just doing whatever you want and think God's going to forgive you. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You know what? You can't, listen, you can't come on Sunday and repent, get right about something, and go out on Monday morning, and if you do that, and you don't have, you have zero conviction in your heart about what you're doing, chances are you're probably not saved to begin with. Because I'm going to tell you right now, one of the greatest evidences that a person is a child of God is conviction from the Holy Spirit. Did you say, preacher, you know, I've got this thing in my mind. And, and, and though I've, I don't do it every single day, there's times when I'm, I, I'm on the computer. Or there's times when I lash out and I, I want to control it and I get convicted, but I just can't stop. You know what? Chances are you probably got a stronghold. You can't be possessed by a demon, but you can be tormented by one. And a stronghold is a torment from the enemy himself. I had a guy one time I used to work with. And he had this erroneous view that when he got saved, that his sin nature was eradicated. That means when he got saved, he'll never sin again. I was like, okay. Well, I wasn't right with God, and I was going to make sure he wasn't either, okay? So uh, we worked together. And one day, he told me this. He said, you know what? He said, I said, so when you got saved, you haven't sinned since the day that you've been saved. He said, no. I said, okay, we're going to find out. And so I went, I went in the back, and I began to pester him and prod him, and I pulled little jokes on him, you know. I'd we, had this, uh, we had this little break room, and Antonio, we had the salt and pepper shakers, and I'd take the salt, I'd take the salt. I've already repented of this, Okay. <laughs> I took the salt shaker top and I just took it to where it was just sitting on top and he went to shake that thing and about two pounds of salt came out of boom, right on his mashed potatoes. He knew I did it because he looked around for me. I was hiding, you know. I was watching him. started snickering. Well, I finally got him post so pestered, man. He literally picked up a hammer, Tom, started chasing me around the warehouse of where we worked. I mean, he wanted to hurt me. He's like, I'm going to kill you, man. 
And about the time, Benjamin, and I ran in there and I got right at the bathroom door and I locked myself in. I looked out the door and I said, ha! Yeah, listen, you are a sinner. Hey, man, close the door right there. <laughs> I'm not talking about being sinless. But what I am saying is there's something in your life that you've been doing habitually. Still convicted by the Holy Spirit of God, but you just feel like, I, I can't get over this. Well, probably chances are you got a stronghold. Well, see, they're detected that way. That's the way you know you got one. If it's something you do habitually, but number two, if it's something you view hopelessly. There's some of you in here, and you know what you've already reserved yourself to think? This is just my lot in life. I'm never going to be delivered from this. This is just my burden to bear. Know what? I'm telling you right now, as a, listen, as a servant of Jesus Christ and His child, you can have victory over it because the Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, I've got to be done because we've got to have some discussion time and then we've got to eat. I want you to look at me. Strongholds are developed by erroneous ideas and egotistical independence. You can't do this on your own. You will fail miserably if you try to fight the enemy in the arm of the flesh. Strongholds are detected when you do something habitually and when you view something hopelessly. But how are they destroyed? You know what? I was in the Marine Corps. Nathan, you know what? I was in Desert Storm, uh, Iraqi Desert Storm War, 1991. I'm here to tell you right now, if we would have taken care of business in 1991, we wouldn't be in Iraq today. See, you've got to go, you've got you to attack this thing. You can't sit back and say, okay, I just hope it goes away and stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. It ain't going to do that. Face your giants. What's the stronghold in your life? If you've got one, it can be destroyed by three things. Number one, by being armed. By being armed. Some of you in here have already told me, how do I get over this problem? I'm not preaching to people that's, got, that, that's perfect. I know that because I've already talked to multitudes of young people this weekend already who said, can we pray? Man, I've got some issues. I want to get, oh, I want to overcome this thing. How do I do it? How do I, get, oh, how do I get victory over it? Well, I'm telling you right now, if you want to destroy the stronghold in your life, listen, be armed. Have some ammunition. When's the last time that you had a temptation in your life? By the way, Jesus Christ, you ever heard somebody say this? Well, God will never put more on you than you can bear. That's not true. I'm going to, tell you, I'm going to teach you something. Remember the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13? It says, listen, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You know what? You, the temptation you're going through, somebody else has gone through it. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know what? Sometimes God will put more on His servants than they can bear through trials and tribulations so they'll run to Calvary and they'll totally depend upon Him. But you know what? God will never allow a temptation to come into your life, but what He won't make a way for you to get away from it. He'll always make a way to escape. And the only way that some of you are ever going to overcome your strongholds is to be armed. When's the last time that 
you sitting at a computer desk and something came across the screen, you had the temptation to click on it. And you know what? You said, oh, I, oh, I, I got to get away from it. How did you overcome it? Well, use Scripture. If it was good enough for Christ, it ought to be good enough for us. Amen? When the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness, what did he say? He said, you know what? If you're, if you're hungry, turn that stone into bread. Jesus said, as it is some of you, you don't know the last time you picked the Bible up and read a verse so it would help you overcome a stronghold in your life. You can memorize every song that Adele sings, but you can't memorize one verse of Scripture to help you in your Christian life. We've got to arm ourselves, Tim, with the Word. You've got a powerful weapon. It's not on your mind, but it's this. You know the greatest weapons you have? is you've got a weapon that is with, from within, and you've got a weapon that is from without. You've got the Holy Spirit of God which lives inside of you, and you've got the Holy Scriptures of God which you can arm yourself with to use against the attack of the enemy himself. You've got to be armed. You've got to be aggressive. Do you hear me? You've got to be aggressive. You know what? I, this is why some Christians struggle is because they have a... Listen, they're so indecisive. Well, I'm going to sit around and I'm going to pray about whether I need to go down to city center and give out gospel tracts. You don't have to pray about that. God's already given us a command. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We've got a great commission. Amen? We've got a great command. We don't have to pray about some of the stuff we're sitting around praying about in church for hours. Amen? Let's pray about something that's really, that really matters, about our lost loved ones about our families, about the will of God. Let's pray about stuff like that. But I don't have to pray about being a witness. I don't have to pray about reading this book. I don't have to pray about praying. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to pray about whether I need to lift them up and pray. Are you serious? We need to arm ourselves. We need to be aggressive. Be proactive, not reactive. Make a decision. Some of you in this room need to do stuff and then pray about it. You pray, listen, you're praying about stuff that God's already given us the command to do and to fulfill. But thirdly, and listen to me, young people, you want to get over the stronghold? You want to have victory in your life? You want to have victory over the bitterness in your life? Some of you right now are so bitter, and I heard somebody say this one time, bitterness, bitterness, listen to me, bitterness is like you drinking poison and waiting for the one that you're mad at to die. Did you hear that? I'm trying to let it sink in. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, I don't have to know, and it doesn't matter what they've done. Look at what Jesus did for us on Calvary. Look at what they did to him at Golgotha. Look at how they spat upon him and had mock trials, pulled his beard out, hit him upon the face and shoulders, made his back like a hamburger meat, and he did all that for you and didn't open one word out of his mouth. But yeah, he said from the cross, didn't he, Jay? Father, forgive them. Some of you going to hold on to stuff, and I've said this, and I'll say it again, because you know what? We need it in the church. The cancer that is killing the church, Shelley, is unforgiveness and bitterness. That's what's killing our work. If you're going to defeat and have victory over the stronghold in your life and destroy it, you've got to, number one, listen to me, arm yourself. Be aggressive, but number three, attack. I'm done, young people, and we're going to go to our, our 
our little discussion things, but I want you to listen to me. I had a lady one time come to me, and she said, Preacher, I've had a problem with somebody in my family. They did me wrong. They stole money from me. I'm not talking about a couple 20, 30, 40 pounds. I'm talking about fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. Went into their bank account and stole it right out from under their nose. Would not, would not have any repentance, wouldn't even pay the money back. And she said, I'm so bitter that I can't even breathe sometimes. She said, I see them coming down the street. We have a family reunion. I don't even go to it because I don't want to be around them. If you're like that today, if there's somebody like that in your life, you're probably bitter. You probably got a stronghold. I saw her. She was the most miserable, Fraser. She's one of the most miserable people I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget, I saw her about a year after we talked. Man, she had a spring in her step, and she was jumping around, and she was excited, and she was just loving life. And I said, man, what happened to you? She said, I got victory of that bitterness. And I went to them, and I forgave them, even if they didn't ask. I said, how'd you do it? Now, I want all of you to look at me. This lady looked at me, Nathan, and she said, I got on my face before God. And she said, I didn't get up. And I said, God, I'm not getting up until you take the bitterness away. And Lord, listen, if I ever get that bitter again, I want all of you to look at me. She said, if I ever get that bitter again at anybody, she said, I want you to take my life. See, I, I think it comes down to this. How serious are you about loving Jesus? How serious are you about really having a relationship with Christ? That lady was so serious that, Ben, she said, I'm willing to live here, leave here prematurely if I ever get like that and separate myself from you again. She wanted to be that close, Jansen, to her Savior. What about you? Strongholds. Do you have one? I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Say, preacher, you know, with an upraised hand, I want, you to, I want you to pray for me. I've had a stronghold develop in my life. I've had a stronghold develop in my life, and I want to let it go. I want, I want, to, be, I want to be victorious, and I want it to be defeated. I want to destroy it in my life. And I, only, I know the only way I can do that is through attack, through being armed and being aggressive. And I wonder if you just with an upraised hand say, preacher, pray for me. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Father, I pray that right now, in this time, in this next session, and in the, the, the preaching hour to come this, this night, Lord, you'd have your will and your way in our lives. Help us to surrender those areas that you put heaven's flashlight on and give us the power and the strength and the grace to let it go. And we'll love and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. <music> 